Suicide, the dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. I'm your host, Chris Parker Howard. And today on the show, we have got author and founder of Mercedes Closet Incorporated, April Jackson Hunter. Uh, We're going to get into the conversation really, really quick. There's going to be a shorter intro than normal this morning. I want to talk just a a, a touch about this lingering anxiety that I've been having. Uh, it's, It's been kind of a problem. It's interfering with me doing the things that I want to do, and that's unusual. It's been a long time since I've had something get in my way like this. Uh, and I don't really want to get into the details on how that's affected me or, or what's going on. I will say I appreciate all of the outpouring that I've been getting. Uh, you can always email me, info at coffeeoversuicide.com, and I will definitely get back to you. But, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been good hearing back from people. Um, I, I've, I've spent a long time being absolutely well and keeping myself together and doing awesome, uh, you know, learning and having all of my coping mechanisms click into place and live a productive life in spite of my diagnosis and my situation. And lo and behold, uh, I start a new medication and that medication cures uh, a handful of things and shines a spotlight on a few others. And so, just like anything else, I'm now working through a brand new set of things. And I appreciate all your patience and everything while I do that. But enough about me and enough about this. If you want to get yourself one of these fancy, fancy coffee mugs or a beautiful tri-blend t-shirt, go to tpublic.com slash user slash randomify. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B-I-F-Y. There you can find the storefront. It's got some coffee over suicide designs, as well as a couple other things from randomify, which is the parent umbrella that I do all of my silliness through. But uh, yeah, go through. There's a sale right now on all of those things. So if you wanted to get some of that stuff, you can go get it. And I get a small percentage of the profits and it helps keep the lights on. So enough of that. Without further ado, let's get into this excellent conversation I had with April Jackson Hunter. <laughs> uh, what the listener might not know is that we had several technical difficulties trying to make this 
auspicious meeting happen. Uh, so here we Hello. are finally. <laughs> <laughs> How are you today? What's going on in your neck of the woods? I'm freezing. <laughs> I'm mm. in Georgia and it's kind of chilly. I wasn't expecting mm. the barrage of freezing cold air to hit me out the door today. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I'll I'll get a lot less sympathy being in California, but uh, it was forty degrees this morning, so that's forty is cold. That's not great. No, <laughs> yeah, that's cold. I'm sorry. That's how we get. So <laughs> my wife is from New York, so she be getting snow. I be looking at her oh, like, okay. uh-huh, I don't do snow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I get that. I'm originally from the Midwest, so uh, yeah, snow. I think about that all the time. Like when I moved into this place um, or when I move anywhere, my first thought is always like, you know, how am I going to get out of this driveway if there's ice? It's like, there's not going to be ice. It's, it's California. Like you're going to be fine. (laughs) I'm in Georgia. One uh, snowflake, we shedding everything down. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. Uh, There was, there was that, massive insane pile up just uh just a few years ago and it was like what a half inch a half inch of snow that came down or something like that or yeah yeah. i was in full blizzard mode (laughs) (laughs) so uh, talk to me talk to me a little bit about where where you're from so are you originally from georgia i am i am a honest to god grady baby Anybody from Georgia knows if you're a Grady baby, you are from Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> what was your upbringing like? Ooh, interesting story. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I came give it to me. from, I, I was in between the projects of Atlanta and suburbia part of Atlanta, mm-hmm. living between my mom and my dad. So I kind of got the, the knowledge of both worlds so to speak. So mm. I saw the hood version plus I saw suburbia. So I'm kind of like mixed in between. Yeah. A rare commodity. Did you have trouble with, uh, did people give you a hard time connecting like in either side or did you walk between those two worlds pretty comfortably? No, I use a lot of, I use a lot of hood sling, hood slang even today, you know, so it, I kind of get <laughs> Yeah. So when I get around my uppity class people, they be looking at me like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Switch modes. I forgot where I was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's, uh, that's part of the, uh, from everything that I've, I've heard when I talk to people, that's, that's a big part of, uh, the black experience in general, right? Is the code switching? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you, but you've got to do it culturally between two different, two different places, you know, even, even on your own. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So look at me, how I talk, I, people don't really understand it. I do have a master's degree. I'm very educated. I just mm-hmm. talk like the people that's around me. <laughs> so I'm comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But well, let's let's go back. Let's, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to me. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, so, 
like when uh, first of all like what was that childhood like was it was it a positive experience was it was it stressful it was i'm gonna say it was stressful for me because i'm going between two parents that are obviously not getting along so i'm it's like a pull and tug kind of thing so you know but for the majority of the part when i was younger I, I was raised by my dad, so I lived with my dad, me being the only child with my dad, because I'm his only kid. I lived in the house with my grandma, yeah. so it was just me and my grandma until my cousins them start coming, and my dad. And then I go back to my mom's house on the weekend, it's all my sisters and brothers, because I had um, siblings on, on that side with her. So I'm trying to navigate not being the only kid no more, and I got to share stuff, so I'm looking at them like, I want to go home, because <laughs> I like being by myself. <laughs> But it was kind of like stressful because, you know, they, they get together, and they argue and stuff. So it was just like, you know, yeah. it was kind of like frustrating for me being a kid dealing with that. Was there like a lot of like shit talking between the parents? Like, you know, like your mom talking about your dad, Not your dad talking about face, your mom? to their face. They did it separately and I would hear it. And it was kind of like, mm. yeah, like, I don't get it. Like, why do you guys hate each other so much? You know what I'm saying? It was like, yeah. I couldn't understand. So, yeah, and that's got to be a, uh, a particularly tough situation, uh, like as a kid. Like, how yeah. old were you when that was when that was going down? I was, um, firstly, elementary school. I can remember as far back as elementary. You know, so mm. it was pretty tough. Yeah, I imagine. Well, so uh, t- talk to me a little bit about like as you got uh, a little older and as things as you started to figure yourself out, like what was that like as far as coming to terms with coming to terms with your life and who you are uh, like because all of these things start to happen for people usually like right around the teenage years. Yeah. That's when some of the trauma creeps in. That's when you yeah. figure out <laughs> your sexuality, you figure out your personality like you start trying things on to see what's going to fit like so what was that like for you actually i don't i didn't get a chance to try to figure out what life would be like for me i was sexually assaulted at 15 and mm-hmm. i went in a kind of a downward spiral <laughs> after that so yeah it's pretty much trauma entered my life i was i think i was already headed for a life of outraging a raging teen hormones and I got sexual assaulted, yeah. so that feud with that, and it was like I started becoming more obnoxious and out there. You know, I started running away from home and stuff, trying to just trying to you know deal with couple what I had done been through. So I didn't yeah. really, um, I didn't really disclose me being sexual assaulted until much later. I was an adult and I did it. I really talked to my friend about it. I didn't really try to tell my mom what happened to me or my dad. You know, but yeah. Yeah, kind of formulated yeah. my life. Oh yeah, big time. I mean, it. Uh, I mean, I, ha- I was right around the same age when it happened to me, and yeah. it was. I mean, it was definitely something that I didn't talk about it. I think uh, you know until I was uh, until I was much older. In fact, yeah. I think the first time I I had even talked about it out loud um, was on this podcast. I was talking to another guest. And we were just talking and it just came out of me and it was like, yeah, I guess we're talking about this now. (laughs) I feel the tears whipping up in my eyes. Like I so relate to what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. 
because it's I mean, you want to tell someone you want to get it out of you. You don't want to carry it around yeah. and you don't want to carry around all that shame and all that all that other shit that comes along with it. You just don't want to carry that around with you for the rest of your life. But, you, you know, what's the alternative? You know, what's what's the alternative? You you got to talk about it. And so now I got to not only talk about it, I got to relive it. Live I gotta, it. Yes. Uh, I got <laughs> to yeah. I got to navigate how you're going to react to me. Like now we got to have a whole myself. conversation. I know. <laughs> yeah. 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 What is now I got to confront what does this mean about me, too? Like and all of that. And it takes so long to overcome all of those things. <sighs> So how did you start your process of overcoming? Like, did you just, you know, carry this stuff around in your back pocket for years and years? Actually, I kind of like buried it. I kind of buried it. And um, I yeah. went through domestic violence um, when I was younger with my kid's father. And so um, me, mm-hmm. I started going through my healing journey, which was much, much more years after that. And yeah. I, I thought I was getting better. But um, once I started going through my healing journey with my domestic violence, I kept feeling bogged down and I couldn't understand why I was feeling bogged down. I started talking to my therapist and then my sexual assault came up. I was like, yeah, I still hadn't healed from that. And that's what's weighing me down. So I had to start my process all over again from the beginning. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, uh, and uh, I mean, my... Uh, I, I hesitate to, to talk about certain things because now that I realize it, like I, I, I have some people that are kind of still in my life that, you know, maybe at the time were, maybe at the time were, let's say less than helpful. <laughs> let's call it I that. It. Um, and so, so with that said, um, you know, when you when you go through a situation like being assaulted and, and it plays on your self-worth the way that it does, do you think that there's a part of you that ends up with someone abusive because somewhere in your head you think maybe you deserve something negative? I, I wouldn't put it that way, but this is how I described it because... Even after I experienced domestic violence with my kid's father, I went on to have several more abusive relationships. I feel like because I yeah. had not accepted that I had been somebody's victim, I was walking around still yeah. with a victim mentality. So when you walk around as a victim, people hone in on those things. So I was attracting mm-hmm. what I was putting out. I was putting out victims, so I was attracting abusers. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what yeah, I, I, do. When I started changing my mindset. When I started changing myself, heal, doing my healing journey, I no longer attracted those entities to me because I was no longer registering myself as a victim. Yeah. So what was uh, talk? Talk to me a little bit about that. I, I so with because this is a thing that I, I feel like a, a lot of people need to hear and a lot of people need to, to have an awareness of one of the Absolutely. main things that I hear all the time from people who don't understand domestic violence at all. They say things like, why don't you just leave? They say things like that as if that's like the easiest thing in the world to do. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you've learned about why that's wrong? Um, Definitely, because some people don't have the means to leave. 
um, you're in a relationship, yeah. you're in a marriage, like my whole life is here. Where am I going to go? I got kids. I, I don't work. Yeah. They support me for yeah. everything. Like, what am I going to do? You know, and it's, people don't understand. They don't see that. They see, oh, just up and leave. Go to your family's house. It's easier said than done because some family members don't want to take you in with, your, with all your kids. Like, you yeah. don't work, take a trip to the household. What, why are you going to come over here? We don't want your burden. Like, you feel what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, it's yeah. chess pieces on the chessboard. It's not like you can easily move to one place without getting everything knocked down. You have to do strategic. You have to be strategic moving. Yeah, strategic moving. That is that is such that is such an important piece of it. It is. Uh, so you talk, you talked about your healing journey. Like, so talk to me about what that looked like for you. Where did that start? Did it start with therapy or, or books or where did that, how did that Listen, start for you? I was suicidal. <laughs> I really was suicidal. I really was. Yeah. Um, I had pills in my hand. I was, I had put my kids in the bed and I was, this is it for yeah. me. I had said my prayers and you know, mm -hmm. people say that. The creator looks after babies and fools. Um, my daughter came in my room and she put her hand on my face and she said, you don't got to cry no more. And that was it. I, I threw the pills down and the next day I went into a mental health clinic and said, I think I got a problem. Like, I, I think something's wrong with me, you know, and I started from there. I just, um, I found out that part that the next day I had PTSD. I had um, anxiety disorder. I have panic attacks and I have yeah. insomnia. Which I didn't know anything about none of that stuff, because you know in, in black communities, mental health treatment is frowned upon. You don't talk about being crazy, or you'll be shunned for your yeah. family. Like <laughs> so, but I learned I had all those things, and I started medication. I started getting on medication to get some clarity. And um, one of my counselors suggested I keep a journal. She said keep a journal because I was having issues with sleeping, and she was like, when you get up in the morning jot down what you remember just to get it out your head and i started doing that and from that i <laughs> birthed the <a> book <laughs> uh, so talk started, to me about that book how long did it take you to write that i held on to that book for like 10 years perfectly written from beginning to end i just had it on my computer i didn't want to do anything with it because i don't what it felt to me it was like me taking all the nightmares that i kept inside and putting it on paper to just to get it out of my head. It was just a means for me to relieve. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what it was for. It wasn't for nobody to see it. And then I met through my wife, um, a lady who published books. She said, we're going to do something with this. And it went from there. <laughs> so. Well, that sounds like a, that sounds like, so holding out, how do you hold on to a book for 10 years before deciding it was in my computer. Uh, I like what was, what was your like, process for it? <laughs> I would go in and look at it and just look at the pages and I close it again. Because it was just something for me to just release my thoughts. I didn't think that I didn't think anybody yeah. else wanted to read it. I didn't think it would be impactful. I just thought it was something that would And it's called it's called Mercedes Closet Keeping Deadly Secrets. Yeah. So you also have uh, you also have Survivor Talk. I do. Your podcast. Yes. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about that. When did that start? Um, it was just me because I felt like I was so alone. I feel like nobody could possibly 
be feeling what I'm going through. I'm black. I'm gay. I'm an abuse survivor. Like, <laughs> like I'm the only one that these yeah. these things on earth. I don't know what I was thinking about it, but <laughs> but I just started getting on talking, and people start. They was like, "Oh yeah, cool," and they'll click in, and people were like, "Oh, I want to come and talk." So my wife got on it, and we started talking, and it just grew from there. It just grew from there. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so much fun though. I started feeling like I wasn't by myself anymore. So it's a part of my healing journey. So it's kind of like for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, that was that was how this started for me. It was the same thing. It was just you know, I it, nobody was nobody was talking about uh, mental health and suicide in, in the way that I wanted to hear it. Yeah. Um, because the thing is, like. A lot of times the the stories are heartbreaking, right? But but at the same time, there's a lot of other strange little things with mental health that can be downright hilarious. And I wanted to be able to talk to other people who had experienced these things and had actually gone through some stuff and come out the other side of it, you know, live to tell the tale so that we can, you know, share a not cry so share a laugh whatever it is yeah not, <laughs> not be so like alone. you in a box exactly <laughs> yeah yeah not feel like a visitor to this planet you know like like oh i belong here my head okay a visitor in my own head oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah yeah oh that's yeah that's exactly it so uh, when did when did you first uh so when did you first realize that you were gay I have always liked girls. Um, I came from a strict, <laughs> a very strict Christian background. My grandma was in church every single day. I mean, vacation mm -hmm. Bible school, um, Bible study in the, on um, Sunday morning, Wednesday Bible mm -hmm. study, and you was like um, usher board meeting, young adult choir. I was at church literally every day. So telling my grandma that I like girls was a big no-no. So um, I tried to be, <laughs> I tried to be as normal of a kid as I could. You know, I had crushes mm -hmm. on my friend at school. I never said anything, but I would send her flowers for Valentine's Day. You know that how you, when you be in school, they have the little thing you go around give it and get roses and they give them to the people for you. Oh yeah, I would buy her roses all the time. I never, I put anonymous. I never put my name on it, so she didn't know it was coming from me. <laughs> but I did, and I, I mean, I've dated both. Secretly, I had a lot of roommates <laughs> growing up, when, mm. and I <laughs> family had roommates. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. I never, I dated both out of, I mean, out of um, just to please my family. I got married a couple of times. It didn't work out. Yeah, because it, it wasn't. I, I feel like I was searching. I feel like I was always searching. I was not complete in those relationships, so it was like it wasn't good for me. They always became toxic. You know, and it was just like I, I couldn't do it no more. But the last, last, last toxic boyfriend I ever had, I was like, I don't care what my family says. I am never dating a guy again. I do not like it. I'm not happy and I'm not doing it. <laughs> I was like, that's it. Then <laughs> how did your family take that? Um, I talked to my kids and. I asked my, I talked to my kids, how to tell them how I was feeling and what was happening. And my kids, like, they already knew. So it was like, okay, mom, we knew that. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh, I've been hiding this. You ain't been doing a good job. So it's like, 
<laughs> and my kids was like, okay. They was like, okay. And as long as my kids accept me, I didn't care who else accepted me. They got to eat it. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's, you know what's funny about that is uh, about a year ago, um, I came out as bisexual. And it was a tough thing for me to do. I had a lot of internalized homophobia from growing up. You know what I mean? I had a lot of that I had to overcome. Yeah. Um, even though I was an ally on the outside, I, was, I wasn't going to talk about myself uh, gotcha. you know, on the outside. And so I came out, I came out last year. And uh, when I told my kids, <laughs> my kids were like, I knew it. I know. I knew it, Dad. <laughs> and you see her look like, like uh, how do you know? Like, was that the way I yeah. dressed? Like, what did I do? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, apparently I wasn't hiding it very well. That part. Yeah. Oh, kids are funny that way. Yeah, I mean, but it, it, yeah. once I did that, I was so much happier in my life. And I was able to yeah. be positive. Like, I'm just tired of being bogged down by secrets and lies. Like, this is... No, I don't want to be here yeah. no more. I want to be, you know, happy. I want to have a happy moment in my life. So, right. That's it. Yeah, and that's difficult really to care. do when you're constantly having to hide. I really don't care who like me or who don't like me. I don't really care no more. So, um, yeah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> but it was kind well, of um, hard at first. About- yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I imagine it was. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, it's yeah, it's I mean, I imagine it's hard. I mean, you know, my situation with my family, it's, you know, my family's also, I mean, very, very religious, very conservative, um, you know, and it, it just kind of is what it is. Like, we have our areas where we figure out we're just we're just not going to agree on some stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you can. Like, there's a lot of people in my family I just decided they're not worth keeping around. But, you know, people like my parents, it's like, you know, I'll keep them. <laughs> Regardless of the fact that we're going to disagree on some stuff, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, they're they're your parents. It's like, you know, I understand some people don't get the luxury of, you know, keeping their parents in their lives. But, Absolutely. you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad passed on, but before he did, yeah, he passed on. But before he did, he told me he loved me. He can't, he don't understand my lifestyle, but he loved me. I'm his child, and it's all that matters. And I was good to go. My mom never wavered. Yeah. She always accepted me, so I'm not really. I wasn't really too worried about her. But yeah, my dad was like, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. I love you. It's it. It's all that matters. That's beautiful. That's how lucky to have that. To be able to have that moment after so much hiding. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I should have been doing this. Like, I came out in my 30s. I'm like, dude, you don't wasted half yeah. your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what's next? What's next on the horizon for April? Well, um, I've done a lot of collabs with um, collab books with other survivors. But I think next year for me, I'm going to solely work on my uh, my fictional books, my fictional books. I had a hand at writing my first paranormal romance. It's called Queen of Darkness. So it's my lesbian version of Van Helsing and Dracula. And I'm pretty good with the feedback, I, the feedback I've been getting. So I think I'm going to 
start writing a couple of fiction books next year. Get my hand at being a fiction author. Nice. Well, you're definitely going to have to come back on the show when uh, when you get those books together because <laughs> I definitely want to talk to you about that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Queen of Darkness is already out there. It's already on the market. So All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Go and get it. Queen of Darkness. Uh, April, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. I had a wonderful time. After we had our little hiccups, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that great? I told you it was going to be great. You want to get some more April in your life, and I know that you do. Go to aprilmjacksonhunter.com to find out everything there is to find out. You want to get a book, and I know you want to get a book. You want to get yourself over to her podcast or her, her video appearances or any of that. You can find out exactly where she's going to be next and exactly what she's doing next at aprilmjacksonhunter.com. As for me, you can always find me each and every Thursday at the Coffee Over Suicide Meetup. Just go to meetup.com and look for Coffee Over Suicide. There is a meeting in the morning and a meeting in the afternoon. And as always, you can find a great t-shirt and a great mug in the store at tpublic.com slash randomify. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B-I-F-Y. But until next week, don't kill yourselves out there. And Merry Christmas. <laughs>